Howdy, hello, and welcome to episode 126 of Fat Love Talk. I don't exactly remember when I started getting close to my brother again, but my oldest brother, who lives in another state about four hours south of me, he uh, got a PlayStation 4 so he could play games with me and we could reconnect. Now at the time, one of my friends from back then uh, had a PS4 and we would play it, he would bring it over and we would play it almost every night. And uh, I ended up getting the money to finally buy my own and we would start playing online together. We'd still go out and get food and hang out. But my oldest brother, we have a 10 year age difference. So as I'm turning 30, he will be turning 40 in December. I uh, started getting close to him in my 20s. And it's no surprise, everybody in our family will tell you he is the favorite brother, the favorite sibling. Because we do have one sister. Um, and even she agrees he is the favorite of the family. And I can't quite put my finger on why for each individual person. But for me, it's because he has lived so much more life than me that he probably knows what I'm going through and relates to that. Not only because we had the same dad who was far more abusive back then than he was with me, but also because he had a lot of life that he could share with me. And maybe I'm just stretching here, but I just feel like I always felt like I could trust him and talk to him and he's never let me down. He's my brother. And quite frankly, if that makes me bad for saying he's my best friend, then I don't care because he really was my best friend and is one of my closest people in my life. When I marry Jennifer, I want Brian to be there. It's my oldest brother. I kind of slipped his name. I apologize if he's listening. Or if any of my other family is listening. It's no surprise he's the favorite. He's amazing. He's freaking amazing. Um, we all love him. But I especially love him because he has helped me through so many hard times. He's seen me in relationships that were destructive. He's seen me when I've been at my worst and I've been a complete total asshole and he still loved me and he has never given up on me. In my 20s, I developed a very close relationship with my brother, one that I want to keep for the rest of my life. It breaks my heart to know I'll probably have to spend some life without him 
because he's 10 years older than me. So he'll probably pass away before me. And I can only imagine how lonely I'll be without him. I think everybody deserves to have somebody they can talk to. Maybe it's not a family member. Because let's just face it, my family is jacked up. My mom's side of the family didn't want to have anything to do with me and my sister because they didn't like my dad. My dad's side of the family was just incredibly weird. And I don't actually know why they didn't come around that much, to be honest. Um, so I basically only knew my immediate family, my brothers and sisters, my mom and dad. Didn't really get a chance to know my grandparents outside of my grandma on my dad's side, who, uh, I was pretty young still, so I don't really have any, like, distinct memories with her. Um, but I remember what she looked like and I remember going to her apartment and I remember playing board games with her and I remember, um, her oatmeal cookies that she would have in the cookie jar. Never fresh oatmeal cookies. They were store-bought, but I always recognized those cookies. She loved to read, so her and my sister got along really well. Because my sister read a lot more in high school, too. Uh, or when she was just younger, because this is before high school when she passed. But I remember very little. But I may not have known my brother growing up. But I'm so happy I know him now. In fact, after this podcast, we've now got the next generation of consoles on our PlayStations, we're going to be chatting tonight. And it means a lot to me that I'm able to have a relationship with my brother and that I can talk to him. My last podcast, I talked about a lot of things I wish were different. And I also talked about a lot of good. That story about the Gordon Ramsay restaurant, the best day of my life, with my favorite people. That was the best day of my life, and I stand by that. But I wanted to share with you some of the best memories of my 20s. And some of the goals of my 30s. Every so often, I would probably say at least once a month, Jennifer and I talk to each other and say, hey, is there anything you need to tell me? Is there anything you would like to talk about? And it's nothing bad. It's nothing serious. But it is a moment where we can communicate openly with each other and say, I'm struggling with this and I would love to talk to you about a solution. And it could be anything. It could be 
something relational or it could be something completely external, you know, and you just want to get their opinion on something and you, you know, get so busy and inundated with the, the day-to-day existences, making dinner, hanging out, lazing about on the couch, watching Disney Plus, you know, whatever, that you sometimes forget that you're next to your best friend in the whole wide world. And I love how open I can be with Jennifer, how honest I can be with Jennifer. And you know what? There are several times where her and I have had conversations and we've cried together, you know, and it's only strengthened our relationship. I think the best thing to come out of my 20s, like I said in the last episode, is Jennifer because of that just relationship. My cat's coming over here right now, so if he meows, the microphone will pick it up. I'm going to scratch his head, though. Um, I love her more than anything on this planet. I would move mountains for her, even though I have no, no, no practical capabilities or way to do that. I just know that she is my partner and I will do anything to provide in the ways that she needs me to. Because I've never been so in love with somebody in my entire life. And it's changed my whole perspective on love. I used to think that love was just this very... I don't even know how to describe it. I used to think that love was very static. You know, it was very conditional. That's the word I was thinking of. I used to think love was very conditional. You do this for me, I provide you love. I do this for you, you provide me love. It was very conditional, or even better, guys, now that I'm thinking about it, it was very transactional. That's not love. It can be, I guess, for a time. But it's not lasting. Jennifer doesn't expect anything from me other than being her partner and providing for her emotionally and providing for her in a few other ways, I guess, you know, that relationships happen. Not so much like be the breadwinner and make a lot of money and 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 make me happy. You know, sure, that's great. And we're both making good money and we're both in good places financially. That helps, obviously. But at the same time, I'm very fiscally responsible. And, and if, if Jennifer's listening to this, I know she probably just laughed right there because <laughs> it's something I keep saying. I'm always like, well, you know, I'm very fiscally responsible. I... <laughs> It's, 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 it's almost become an inside joke. Um, but like, really, I do make a budget every two weeks and I look at my money and I share with her what I've made, what I'm moving over to savings that's left over from my last check, what bills are coming up for me, where my money's going to be after those bills are paid. And I always share that with her because she's my partner and I 
want to communicate with her where I'm at right now and what the next two weeks financially look like. And I think it's a very healthy line of communication because, you know, some people are so scared, well, they won't love me unless I do this, or they won't love me unless I make this much money, or they won't love me unless I provide this. And, you know, I do understand why people feel that way because I feel that way too some of the time. I always feel inadequate and I always question myself and my self-worth is is put into a question by myself all the time. Jennifer's never once told me that I have to meet XYZ condition or game over. <laughs> like, that's that's not the game we're playing here. You know, we're playing real relationship long term. There is no special rule book hidden in the fine print. I love her. I love only her. I prioritize her. I give her everything. That's all she asks. And that's easy for me to give. You know, it's funny... Jennifer is the reason why I even saw a professional in the first place. I'm going to get real personal here, guys, so just bear with me. But, um, oh gosh, where do I want to start? There's two things I want to talk about. Um, let's start with the therapy. Okay, she's the reason why I started seeing a therapist. And it's not because she flat out said, you're, you're, you're fucked up and broken, go fix yourself. You need a professional. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what happened. Although that would have been a shock if she had said that. Although not wrong, <laughs> it still would have been a shock. Uh, no, uh, she didn't even suggest it. I'll be honest with you. It was it was me who seeked it out on my own because we we were dating. What was it? Two years? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was January of last year that I started seeing a therapist, and I saw a therapist for. Shoot, um, a year. Yeah, I saw a therapist for a year because uh, I lost my job in February, and that's when I stopped seeing my therapist was February of this year. So um, it was a year. I looked in the mirror one day. I couldn't tell you what day it was. I couldn't tell you why I did this. But I looked in the mirror one day, and the other version of myself, and, and don't let this scare you guys. I'm just being honest and I'm being transparent. The other version of myself that lives in my head looked me dead ass in the eyes and started saying some mean shit to me. And I was saying it out loud to myself. And uh, something inside of me just snapped. And I paused. And I looked past myself in the mirror and I just thought, why do I treat myself this way? And of course, I snapped back at myself like I do when I'm arguing with myself and trying to sabotage my mental health. And I was like, well, you're fucked up. Your father just ruined you. God never cared enough to fix you. All these other BS, quite honestly, excuses straight from the devil's mouth came out. 
And I was like, wait a minute, no. I can't keep living this way. Because ever since COVID happened, my depression came back really strong. When I was in my apartment with my roommate at the time, uh, my roommate spent all of their time in their, their room with the door closed. I didn't really see anybody. So I worked from home and then I couldn't go outside because of COVID. So I was home 24-7, which as a 70% introvert, I was like, woohoo! But as a 30% extrovert, I suffered greatly. And my depression came back. And I started to ask myself, why do I exist? What's the point of all this? And by this, I just meant existence. And I honestly was like, why am I too much of a coward to take my life. Because that was my problem in high school. Is I had attempted suicide. And I always told myself. If you were a real man. You would follow through. If you were a real man. You would be able to do this. But you're such a failure. You can't even take your life correctly. That's how messed up. And, and, and fucked up you are. And, and what a terrible thing to tell yourself. What an absolutely horrible thing to tell yourself. That doesn't do you any good, and it doesn't do your mental health any good. And yet, here I was telling myself in high school, remember this is a, this is a flashback, uh, of how just you're, you're so bad, you can't even kill yourself correctly. Or you can't even follow through, more than anything. Because... My dad was a fire and brimstone god of vengeance preaching father. So I was so scared of hell that I believed if I took my life, I would go to hell. And it was so terrifying to me, the prospect of being in hell forever, that living on earth was less terrifying. While still miserable, less terrifying. So I kept existing. And after high school, when I got my own place and I'd left my father, and especially after my dad passed away, um, I kind of was free from that, um, free from that abuse, I guess is the best way to put it. But, my mental health was still fucked and I still talked to myself and belittled myself verbally and argued with myself constantly verbally that I almost, I almost felt like I had multiple personality disorder at that point because I argued with myself so much and I was so angry all the time. And, and I don't know, at some point, I guess I suppressed it enough to move on. And I wasn't as depressed. It may have been a combination of getting a bit of a, 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 a little bit of a better job, having a little bit more money, and having some really good friendships. But I didn't really have that problem for a while. And then COVID happened, and my depression came back really, really strong.
and I just didn't know what to do. It's embarrassing, but my roommate, he's still friends with me, so we still talk, and he'll be at my, my birthday uh, barbecue thing I'm doing in a few weekends. Um, we're still friends, but my roommate, can he, can he can straight up tell you about times when he would come out of his bedroom to go to the kitchen and get water or food or whatever he was doing in the kitchen, and I would be on the couch, just laying on the couch, crying, while some movie played or TV show played. I couldn't tell you. I wasn't really paying attention. He wouldn't talk to me. He wouldn't ask me what's wrong. It was super awkward probably for him. I don't blame him. And he would he would he could probably tell you all the times that I was so depressed and so just unwell that I just laid on the crowd laid on the couch and cried. Maybe I'm sharing too much information, but but I just wanted I just want to talk through my 20s. I'm very good friends with my roommate still to this day. He lives of course in Missouri and I live in Kansas and we're an hour apart. Um but he's the homie and I know that uh he cares about me. It's just as guys, as men, sharing your emotions and being emotional and all that macho shit that they talk about, you know, it really affected me in a way to where sure, I'll 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 get I just felt like I shouldn't be crying and I shouldn't be so so messed up. It doesn't help that I was born in the summer and that I'm a cancer. And so as a cancer, I'm a more, a more emotional of a person. I, I talked about that in my last episode uh, in part one. But yeah, it, it, it messed me up after COVID. And so really long-winded sidetrack, but we're back on track now. I say all of what I just said because... As I was looking in the mirror one day, again, I don't know when this was, I don't have the specifics, but I was looking past myself after an argument with myself, after a belittling session, I guess you could call it, and something snapped and I was like, I will never get better unless I try. And I'd been dating Jennifer for two years, or just past two years, and I was like, I want to spend the rest of my life with Jennifer. I knew after probably a year, I don't know when, but at some point after a year, I was like, I pick you. There is no tag, you're it. I want to like hug you and never let you go. I knew that I wanted to be with her. And so I knew that if I wanted the best chance at being happy, I had to work on why I was miserable. Because Jennifer can support me and be in my corner and love me every day of the week, every day of the year, for years and years and years. 
but I have to make the decision to be happy. She can't make that decision for me. And it's not, she shouldn't have to live with the version of myself that is abused and unwell. I love her enough to know that I need help. And I can't do it alone. And I'm not that person who talks to my best friend or talks to my spouse and is like, well, there's my therapy. I feel great now. Because I'm offloading a bunch of shit that they don't need to deal with. They can't give me advice that's going to be concrete. They literally made the profession of therapy, of counselor, because there's a right way to do things. It's like people who say, I don't want to go see the doctor because if it's meant to be, God will heal me. Look, I believe in God, and I love God, and I hope I get to heaven because it's amazing, and there's bread, and, and Lord knows I love that bread. Uh, again, if if Jennifer's listening to that, she's getting a good laugh out of that, uh, and this is just for you, Jennifer, bread, bread, bread. <laughs> it's an inside joke again, but it's from, uh, I won't even explain it, it's, it's, it's funnier that way. Anyway, um... But it's like people who say, I don't want to go to the doctor because if God wants to heal me, he will. It'll be his. It'll be meant to be. No. God made man, and then we made science work in our favor. And if doctors can save your life, go get saved. Because you can't do anything for God in the dirt. If anything... You could be hurting somebody else's life that's close to you and making a chain reaction, a butterfly effect, if you will. And that, how is that any better? I digress. I wanted to get help and be the best version of myself. So I saw a therapist. And at first it was, you know, after COVID, so there were some, some rules, right? It had to be remote. I like, I wanted to see a therapist in person, but I made that work. So every two weeks when I had my work schedule at the time that I was off work, every other Friday at 11 a.m., I saw a therapist. And we talked. And I cried. And we talked. And we discovered so much about me. And I learned about me and there was a period where I had to cut off my my mom and my sister because they were toxic and bad for my growth and I didn't explain to them what was going on but when I reconnected with them after I had worked through my issues I had a very honest conversation with my mom and I told my mom how my dad treated me. I told my mom how I felt growing up. I told my mom that in growing, I started to resent her for not being aware of what my dad was doing. 
Because she had to know, right? It's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff I won't share, but I think that strengthened the relationship I have with my mom because now I can call my mom and I can tell her I love her and I can genuinely mean it because I've had a very candid and honest conversation about my childhood, what happened to me, and that it's not her fault that my father treated me the way he did. She was working two jobs, busting her ass to be to make enough, not only for us, but for herself. She really didn't have a life of her own. It's a two-way street. He didn't just abuse us by screaming at us, by calling us worthless, by preaching his bullshit. He was also yelling at her too. And as a kid, you don't really pay attention to the finer details. But as an adult, you look back and you just think, whoa. Maybe there's more than one side of this story. And you know what? That is one of the best things out of my 20s too. I have the strongest relationship with my mom that I've ever had. And I know how to set boundaries with my family. And I know how to be honest with myself. And I know how to have a hard conversation when I want to avoid it. Because my therapist helped me work through a lot. We weren't even done. I had to switch jobs because I lost mine. And my new insurance wouldn't cover where I was going. And I've been in a flux ever since then. And I'm still going to get back to a therapist, guys. My journey's not over yet. I didn't make a list before this podcast. Maybe I should have. Would have made this podcast a little more organized. But if you're a fan of this podcast, if you're a fan of me me, then uh, you know I do things off the cuff. I do things loose and fast and sometimes dirty. I just wanted to say that because it sounded fun. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. I say some weird shit like, on occasion. And this podcast has been very uh, candid. And there's been a lot of language and... That's not the normal. Um, I have nephews, and I try to curb my language. Not curb. What am I doing? Curve my language. Or maybe it is curb. I don't actually know the correct way to say that. Uh, the point is I filter myself a little bit more because I have nephews, and I, I know that they're going to cuss eventually, but why expose them to even more of that, you know? But... uh that's another thing in my 20s. I got four cousins. Four. Well, actually, I take that back. I don't mean cousins. I mean nephews. I apologize. 
all three of my brothers and my sister have a kid. So I have nephews and one niece. And uh, when I marry Jennifer, I'll have two other nephews by uh, marriage. I don't know. I'm not sure what you're supposed to call your your wife's sister's son because it's Jennifer's nephew, not my nephew. It's my nephew by marriage. But is there like a, a term for that? Like a nephew-in-law? Nephew-in-law sounds weird. I don't know. The point is, her nephew knows who I am by name and enjoys my company and gives me hugs and says he loves me. And that is incredible because I used to be so terrified of children. And my dad had fucked me up so much, I was like, I'm never having kids because my dad fucked my brain literally into the ground. There's no hope for me. Children are not an option. I hate my dad so much that by not having a, a kid, his bloodline will end with me. And then I started to think about it more. And I was like, yeah, that's logical. And I moved on. And then I met, <laughs> and then I met Jennifer. And then my, my brothers and my sister had a kid. And I started to realize, and this is more just by dating Jennifer. I started to realize it's not so much me. It's, so, it's, it's the parents. Right? So sure, my dad was verbally abusive. I just have to know that... My kid will never, ever, ever know what that worthless feeling is like. And if by some horrible chance somebody makes him feel that emotion or he inherits some sort of biological crap from me, he's going to have somebody to talk to who loves him or her because my dad sure as heck wasn't my best friend. Um, and I sure as heck didn't talk to my dad about personal stuff. I talked to my mom sometimes, but I didn't talk to my dad literally at all, literally about anything. But my kid will not have that problem because they will know it is a safe space in these walls. And uh, I, I expect to be a much, much better parent than my dad ever was. And uh, I don't mind being the last one in my family to have a kid. I mean, if I have a kid, I'll be in my mid-30s probably. And that's fine. Because at least I'll have prepared for it. And at least I will know what's coming. Awesome. Very awesome, actually. So I guess to wrap up this podcast, let's do some highlights. And I might miss a few things, but that's okay. I met Jennifer in my 20s. 
I grew my relationship with my brother in my 20s. I saw a therapist and made some of the healthiest, best decisions of my life in my 20s. I had the best day of my life at Gordon Ramsay's Steakhouse in my 20s. I have some of the best friends I've ever had in my life in my 20s. And those are the things worth focusing on. Now, one week from today, when I turn 30, I have a few goals. Not for my 30s specifically, but for the rest of my life. I will publish a book. I will do it. I will grow and mature. And and damn it, I'm going to marry... Jennifer, and be the best husband I can be. And love her with every beating ounce of blood in my heart. As long as I am here on this planet breathing and pumping blood and in a warm body, I will love Jennifer and listen to Jennifer and communicate with Jennifer and be the partner she deserves. You know, we she got her engagement ring and it's gorgeous. And we're going to get our engagement photos. Um, we got them taken already, so we're still waiting to get them. Um, but uh, I got my ring and I keep putting it on every now and again when I'm alone or sometimes when Jennifer's there just because I just like the way it looks and I, I, I like the, I'm not a jewelry person, but that's a, that's a ring I will gladly wear for the rest of my life because it is a commitment and a reminder that I am loved. And sure, lots of people have loved me in my lifetime, but nobody has loved me like Jennifer has. Even when Jennifer's not here with me, I can feel her love. That's kind of cheesy, I'll be honest. When I said that out loud, I was like, well, well, now I'm getting a little bit crazy. (laughs) But you know what I mean. You know, it's like one of those things, it's like, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder or whatever it is. Um, I love Jennifer. When she's gone, I miss her. When she's here, I cherish her. And I think the next year is going to be the best because it's the only time in my life I'll be engaged. And we get to share that together. That's enough for me. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Um, I love you guys. This was a long episode. Both episodes were 40 minutes, so uh, we're looking at an hour and a half if you listen to both part one and part two. Um, if you made it through or you broke it up into two different you know times, uh, thank you for listening. I'm a little bit teary-eyed right now, so bear with me. Um, 
my 30s are going to be the best years of my life. And I have nothing else to say. I love Jennifer more than anything in this world. I love my brother. I love my life. Jennifer is my rock. And I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have it any other way. I was going to end right there. But then I just thought to myself, the funny thing about that is uh, God knows your whole existence, your whole life. He's seen it all, right? Because God is all-knowing. And so we often blame God for so many things. You knew this would happen. You could have prevented this. You could have stopped this. Why didn't you stop this? Children die. That's so sad. People who have loved ones die. That is so sad. Diseases exist and hurt us. And so many people play this big, overwhelming, well, God could have stopped this. Why didn't he? My testimony or my life story, if you're not religious, um, my testimony is uniquely my own. And I used to feel like I didn't have it as bad as somebody else. So I need to toughen up and be a man and suck it up and, and just work through it because somebody always has it worse than me. So stop complaining. But that's just it. My pain, my testimony from my life is just that uniquely my own. And if my pain and my hurt helps somebody in the future because I can relate to them or I can even prevent pain in their life because of pain I experienced. Well, there you have it. You wouldn't be able to fix somebody else's pain or help somebody else through a situation or know what somebody else is going through if you didn't live it, anybody can sympathize. But not everybody can relate and can understand what pain feels like. Because pain is a word, a very blanket, broad word. But pain can be felt in so many different ways. Especially when it's not physical. Physical pain is almost identical in every way. For each, each individual person, based on their pain tolerance, it's a little bit different. But pain is still pain when it's physical. Mental pain, mental anguish, it is so unique to each person based off of very unique scenarios. My dad verbally abused me. I was depressed and suicidal in high school. Depression has followed me my whole life. 
and then I met the most beautiful woman in the world who wants to marry me. And my relationship with my brother got really, really good. And I saw a therapist and I started realizing that I'm not alone and I deserve help too. I don't need to toughen up and just deal with it. I, I'm allowed to fix my pain. And maybe one day, all this anguish I have felt and pain I have felt will help somebody else. I've always felt like I was meant for more. That my story is not just here and done. I have a YouTube channel and I have a podcast and I've always felt like I was meant to be heard. Has that gone anywhere? Have I broadened my audience? No, not really. Um, that's not really what's happened. But it doesn't need to, per se. There's a purpose. And that's what I'm choosing to believe. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. My YouTube channel, Alpha Phenomenon Gaming, will be popping off with a brand new playthrough horror game uh, here in a couple weeks. So stay tuned for that. Um, I'm going to be testing a commentary style YouTube video in the next month or so. So stay tuned for that as well. Um, I love you guys. I really mean that. If you listen to my podcast, I appreciate you and I love you. And I hope you guys have an excellent, excellent rest of your day. And your week is good. And your weekend is even better. Stay blessed. And, uh, you know, <laughs> that reminds me, uh, there was something I used to say all the time. And I was like, too blessed to be stressed. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was real catchy and I thought that was so cool saying that. And, uh, I don't even really know what that means to be honest, too blessed to be stressed because stress is such a broad thing. But, uh, I really mean that guys. I have lately felt like I am too blessed to be stressed. Even though I feel that stress, even though I feel that emotion, even though I get sad and I start to let it win. Guess what guys? This too shall pass. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Take care, guys. See you on the next one.